All right, it's been a good week, Grayson. It's been a good three weeks, uh, and I'm hyped up. Things are popping off. Things are going on. My mic keeps falling, <laughs> but it's a much better podcast setup here uh, than it was back home. We can just like podcast whenever we want and decide to grill up hot dogs after the fact, which is awesome, you guys. Welcome to episode 113 of the Roads Untraveled podcast, or at least I think that's what it is. Don't quote me on that. Grayson and I are here in Los Angeles. I think this is the third or fourth podcast we've done. I'm losing track. It's been a hectic few weeks. Uh, some days are slow. Most of the days are uh, pretty hectic, and we had some killer days recently. But first, before we get to that, we kind of, uh, since we had a solid two-week period, Grayson, that we didn't podcast for, right? Um, And we had a bunch of stuff to catch up on, essentially, that we did. So that was last episode. I hope you guys enjoy that. Um, If you did, please definitely send us an email, give us feedback, whatever it is. Um, And we left off, I believe it was, we definitely talked about Scientology last time, correct? We talked about a lot about Scientology. Um, I think that's what we finished off with, though. Maybe. But anyways, um, if just to recap, we stopped by the Scientology headquarters. No, it's not the headquarters. That is the headquarters. That's the well, biggest compound. Of- it, it, well, it's not their compound because they no, also have a yeah. compound in California. But it, it's like their largest office building. It's their, it's their central location. It's their yeah, headquarters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, it's fantastic. Like, it's so great, I almost considered joining Scientology. Um, it was, like, a, such a beautiful facility they had there. Um, like, you always see that blue, kind of stubby-looking building um, in front of a few movies that have done um, little documentaries about what goes on there and stuff like that, and they always do it outside that door. But uh, that's only because that's on a public sidewalk. If you go around the front of the, um, the, front of the facility... It is, has an absolutely beautiful landscape. Um, the building's gorgeous. It's, they did an awesome job. And they also named one of the public streets. Uh, I mean, I don't want to repeat the whole last podcast. No, that was the last thing I was going to say. We definitely mentioned that last time. Okay. About the L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard, L. Ron Hubbard Road. Yeah. Way, yeah. Way. I think it was L. Ron Hubbard Way or whatever. Anyway, so we're past Scientology. And what was the next thing on the list? Uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out because we, if you recall, Grayson, uh, neither of us got a photo of Scientology. Like, I have a photo from every single, at least one photo, usually many, um, of every single day we've been here at the podcast. Yeah, um, I have or one of Scientology. Yes, but it's very blurry. Yes. Yeah, so, like, I don't have any in my phone, and that's what I've been basing this timeline off of, just going through the uh, camera roll on my phone. But I forget which night that was. Um, but Jesse that was, was in- the night they were at the... Um- Disneyland? Disneyland, yeah. Okay, okay. So Friday. Uh, the Yeah, anyways. Uh, Ford Focus RS. Beautiful morning. I'm looking at these photos I took of the, uh, the you know, half hour after sunrise photos outside our neighborhood. We can talk about our neighborhood and our house on a different episode if we yeah, want. Honestly, sure. should we save that for when like we talk to Jesse and Levi and all that? I, don't know, I wouldn't necessarily plan it all out, but... No, yeah. Yeah, yeah we yeah, don't need to cover it today. Uh, but yeah, the Focus RS, um, the one thing I found surprising about that car more than anything else is the exhaust noise, like the exhaust oh, uh, sound. Lovely. You And it's like, it's loud, but it sounds good and you can hear it from a while, like, you know, ways away. Yeah. And the turbo spool is, you can hear it very pronounced through the exhaust. Yeah. Um, especially at like low speeds. Now I'm not a big fan of Ford, and realistically, I don't think I'd ever buy one. Just right. kind of listening to some of the issues that he had, um, I don't know. Like, I'm not a big fan of Ford. I don't think they're very reliable. 
Uh, it sounds like he had a hell of a time just trying to get that one up and working again. I can explain what went wrong. Okay. So Ford is has not announced an official recall yet for the Ford Focus RS, but there are a number of very vocal individuals online uh, complaining that their Ford Focuses are having head gasket failures. Right. So it, coolant is getting into the cylinders. Then that's like, okay, you got to take the head off and do the head gasket and fix it, right? So, the, But they don't want to do a recall because that's going to be really expensive. They haven't done an official recall, but if that happens to you and you bring it in, they'll they'll fix it for free. Like, it's it's warranty. They'll... They'll do okay. it for you. Okay, so but it's they still just, under warranty, but course, they don't yeah. want. But they still don't want to do a, a total recall because it's going to cost them a lot of money. Uh, because when you yeah. do a recall, everybody gets their car in. Versus, as of right now, people who only have that issue bring their car in. Mm. And they already know it was basically the first batch of car, like the first year of cars. Right. It's not that out of the whole production, it's way less than fifty percent. Right. Of the cars. Um. But I recently found out. Uh, shout out Smoking Tire Podcast. What the actual issue was or so they think or whatever there was a couple articles online about this they accidentally someone in the ford factory messed up and of course in the ford focus rs is the 2.3 liter inline four eco boost single turbo right uh the same engine that's in the turbo eco boost mustang so it's the same 2.3 liter slightly different um but it's the same engine right right um Someone put the Ford Mustang head gasket on like hundreds of Ford Focus no RS, way. and the Ford Focus RS like no was a heavy like it hit the market hard. Yeah, that yeah. is absolutely hilarious. So what what happened? Somebody fucked up somewhere, and what happened is the coolant flows slightly different in the head of the Mustang. The cooling system slightly just enough where <sighs> a certain point the coolant will bubble up, and if it boils. Or if it boils multiple times or hot enough, it will just the head gasket will fail and that, there's a problem. Like with the <laughs> amount that with the total amount of uh, like robotics and you know like the, like the automatic process machinery line and everything like that, those mistakes are like you know back in the day when it was an assembly line and it's a line of people building a car. You know if you mess it up on one or two cars, that's fine but it doesn't happen too often mm-hmm. with the assembly like with modern technology the way that it is like machines are pretty much doing everything yeah i just find that absolutely hilarious that like that's a big deal yeah like especially when you're first launching a car and you want the best you know uh, first impressions you want yeah as much positive media as possible for somebody to screw up that royally but this is the thing though i completely agree with you and that's why i think they're not they haven't issued an official recall because then it would make That's even bigger embarrassing. headlines. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. But for now, I mean, the Ford Focus RS, this all, like, people didn't know about the head gasket issue until the car has already been out for, like, a year. Yeah. At least, right? And then these things start happening. And the Ford Focus RS lived up to all the expectations. So all the amazing reviews came out and it, the people were, like, jumping them on the street and was like, Golf R versus Focus RS. Okay, Focus RS wins every time. And, like, all these comparisons... And uh, so all the hype is still there. So I feel like, honestly, it's not. And they've already fixed the issue a long time ago. So it's uh, it's, yeah. it's totally fine. Like, it's not going to be an issue for Ford. The yeah. car is still, like, amazing. But. Like, Ford doesn't have the greatest reputation in dealing with recalls and, like, just overall quality products that last. Um, I know, like, a lot of people would love, would take the, you know, the Ford F-150 over the Chevrolet and stuff like that. Um, My personal experience is I've had two Chevys. Uh, One was a 93, um, like, you know, just a standard Silverado. 
and we drove it across Canada twice, mm-hmm. maybe three times, and it had 350,000 kilometers on it without a single major repair. Mm-hmm. So I remember once the, um, uh, the motor on the electronic window, it broke. So, you know, the window was stuck and that was at like 250,000 kilometers. And then the electronic, um, you know, chair adjustments, yeah. it, that failed. Other than that, like works. mechanically, nothing was wrong with it. Yeah. Um, we have a new Silverado and it's uh, like the only issues that we've had with that one is the sunroof. It leaks and it's super annoying. And it's been, we've brought it in multiple times. Nobody can figure it out. Other than that, again, it's solid. It works. Um, like the only, like we were in a Raptor, the Raptor itself, it was an impressive truck. I just find that everything with Ford tends to be on like the cheap side. Um, I just find like the plastic, the, you know, I hate creaks. So when you close the door, having it creak and stuff like that. GM is pretty bad for creaks though as well. Yeah. And about the repair thing, you, what you're saying is extremely anecdotal. So to throw a bit blanket statement on Chevy is more reliable than Ford. Like I don't know if where, where the numbers you've seen on the internet. Oh about, no, like, no, this is just this is just this an- anecdotal in your life. It's it's my personal experiences with you know I mean it's it's completely biased right because yeah. I, I've only had a limited amount of experience with Fords and quite a limited amount of experience with Chevy. It's yeah. just that in that period of time, one ended up being very reliable. Like my car, the Cobalt. Mm-hmm. Like we just you know it's had one hundred seventy five thousand kilometers. We drove it down here and it's still running great like no issues whatsoever um and you know what like it's it seems to last uh, but then it's not really fair to make a blanket statement over ford saying that they don't have a very good track record asterisk in grayson's life well no but in- they, they actually have like the, <laughs> the worst cover-ups and scandals in automotive history like, yeah, in, in general. Okay, so a scandal, though, is different than overall brand reliability mechanically. Well, the scandal so Now we're, we're due, having two different conversations. Well, the, the, the scandal was to do with the reliability and safety standards. I, I haven't seen the numbers. Yeah. I, I don't know what the numbers you've seen. But. Well, we talked about one of the scandals with the exploding gas tank. Right. They didn't want to – it was going to be too expensive for them to reshape the car, so they put it out as is, expecting people to die in the process. Right. And then just figured they'd deal with the lawsuits instead. Same mentality as like they don't want to issue a full recall because it's cheaper for them to deal with the people who just have the issues. Of versus, course, yeah. So it's just kind of like what you get from your brand. and I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. I've, if you have the numbers, bring them to the podcast. I haven't seen uh, numbers saying that – you know, pretty much generally, I mean, I don't look at fucking reliability numbers online, to be honest. It's just like super boring stuff. Yeah. Um, I have zero experience with, I have, well, I've actually owned a Ford and it was dope. Uh, Which one was that? The Mercury Grand Marquis. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. All Ford V8 or whatever. Um, and the, I mean, I had that car for six months. So anecdotally for me, it's been the opposite. But then again, I haven't owned a Chevy and you yeah. haven't owned a Ford. So yeah, we are on even footing. But anyways, uh, I, I honestly, I think Chevy and Ford are both, I mean, they're both American. They're both fairly cheap manufacturers. Yeah. They both have shitty plastic. They both, when you close the doors, they rattle and stuff. And like, yeah, I don't know. C5 Corvettes are known to be like the worst for interiors and slamming doors and like rattling. Corvettes, really? C5 Corvettes. Yeah. They're tin boxes. What about like the, um, uh, the newer ones? Much better. Okay, so Much they better. improved that aspect of it? Oh, everybody has, like, you know, doors that slam good now. Right. It was just in the early, like, early and mid-2000s, really. You know, that's what Volkswagen does really well. 
is that they have like Germans. even like it's this you know even take like the Jetta when you close the door it slams and you pay for it yeah yeah well I mean it's not crazy expensive it's not that much like a Jetta versus a, a you know a Chevrolet Cruze or something like that they're they're quite different I mean if you look at like a Golf versus a Fiesta you get way more for buying a Ford Fiesta than you do with a Golf and the Golfs are heavier and slower and. Like, I'm talking about, like, sales price, like, whatever they go for. Yes, yeah, yeah. So you're saying it's more expensive? You get more for your money. I'm saying if there was an equally optioned and equally priced, say, Jetta versus the equivalent American sedan, yeah. and then a Golf versus the equivalent uh, American, or Japanese, for that matter. Because um, if you say the Golf goes for, what, $30,000 kind of base package? No, you can get it for way cheaper than that. Base package? New? For a Golf, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know the exact. I don't know the exact numbers. Right, because like you can get but. a entry level Chevrolet small shitty car for like twelve thousand, thirteen thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, it's real basic, manual windows and everything. Um, but you know, I, I'd assume to be similar to a you know uh, like a starting Golf or whatever, like a base model Golf. In terms of price, in terms of like features. So, like, you know, if you, you get, like, a Chevrolet for, like, $12,000 right. new base, that would be equivalent in terms of features to maybe, like, a $20,000 uh, Golf new, like, with the base model. Yeah, but there's still, if it was that case, it would still be, like, an $8,000 difference. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, anyways. They co- so, they do cost more. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, we're in agreement on that. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. Uh, Ford Focus RS. 2.3 liter EcoBoost. Um, not overhyped. Didn't break on our shoot, which is dope. Um, and it was running a lot more than stock. So stock, they're 350 at the crank. 350 horse. Uh, and then I think he had it dynoed at 450 at the wheels, which for you guys listening is freaking insane. I think it was like 450 horsepower. Or no, it was like 430 horsepower and 450 torque. So the torque's higher than the horsepower. That's crazy. Which never happens like that, except for like big old V8s or whatever. Um but anyways, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I think he had it tuned down to like 380 or 390 at the wheels. Um, and yeah, we had it on a tight canyon road. I kind of regret not bringing it to a, a bigger road. To really kind of open it up? It does, that, uh, yeah, that car deserves a bigger road. Now, the owner, it seemed like he liked the car, but he's wanting to sell it and get it a newer model or something like that? Uh, I think that's because the the issues. Is that, so that's with the recall. Yeah. Okay. So the, basically, I think from they want to buy it back or something like that, and yeah, do something like that. The dealership said his is fine. That's what they said, right? Like he got the issue fixed, and he's like, it should, they sh- they're like, it should be fine, but he doesn't want to take the chance. I think. Yeah. But well, yeah, it sounds like he's had this issue for a while. Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's been like one thing after another. Like they said, it's fixed, then it's not, and yeah. yeah. Dope car sounds awesome. Front end is great. Uh, what else can we say about the the Focus Ford RS? Focus? Like, what would the European equivalent be? Like, what, what's a competitor to the Focus RS? Golf R, Golf R. Yeah, I wonder if there, if we could find a Golf R to do a comparison video between the two. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's easy enough. And we have a second contact actually with a stock or mostly stock Ford Focus RS. So if we find well, we could either do stock versus stock or modded. Yeah, because we have um, that sponsor that is also looking for kind of mm-hmm. a comparison video. Tuner shootouts and whatnot. Yeah. But that could be an interesting video. Like, how much does the Golf R have stock, horsepower-wise? Ah, uh, you're really putting me on the spot here. Th- I want to say 300. Really? That high? Oh, yeah. Well, for R- the Ford Focus RS is 350 stock. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the Golf R has to have 300 horsepower. Well, that's a decent amount of power for yeah. a small car like that. Oh, yeah. Huh. Especially with the dual clutch. That's the thing, though. Oh, it has a dual clutch. The Golf R, you can get either a manual or a dual clutch. Focus RS. This is why I love America. No automatic option. You cannot get the RS with an auto. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's so awesome. So they don't sell as many. So it's an actual manual. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Whereas, yeah, with the Golf, if you want the 0 to 60 time, like it'll do, it's all wheel drive, obviously. So it'll do 0 to 60 and shoot like crazy numbers with the dual clutch. Yeah. And then obviously a lot of people buy it just because it's, you know, 0 to 60 and whatever, three point, whatever it is, or four. Yeah, that would be a cool car to drive. Do you know what they sell for? Golf R's are like 40 Canadian, roughly. Okay, so they're a decent... Like, they're not cheap. No, they're not cheap. Um, I, don't, I don't think I'd ever spend $40,000 on a Golf R. <laughs> I mean, like, if I had forty grand, like... I don't know, you can get a Lotus for that. Like, a used one. Yeah, if you dive into the used market, you can get so many good cars for forty. Yeah, like some really cool cars. And yeah. yeah, I wouldn't stop there. But, yeah, so... Um, yeah, we had the RS, Ford Focus RS, and then we followed that shoot by covering – what vehicle was it? Uh, we got to mention Malibu for a second. This was our this was our second day in the Malibu Canyons. Yeah. Uh, wasn't it? No. Third? I thought it was – because on the first day, we shot two videos. We did – yeah. That was the STI and the um, – uh, Tacoma. Yeah, the Tacoma. So, yeah, this would have been the second day. Second day. Yeah, yeah, second day in the canyons. I'm just looking at the photos. Yeah. Uh, and Malibu is great. That's all I have to say. If you have never been to Southern California, hit up the Malibu canyons even if you don't have – you don't need to have a fast car to enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about the actual canyons themselves. Yeah, just kind of yeah. like the overall – like the elevation change and the scenery and – Honestly, I would say we also recently – well, I'd probably say that for later. But we recently filmed in Angela's Forest for the first time. Yes. And honestly, mm. I would say that I think I prefer those roads over the Malibu uh, Canyon roads. They're very different. Um, they are different. I find that so far – I mean like we haven't really – we haven't really driven too far into the Angela's Forest no. roads. But it seems like the Malibu Canyons tend to be a little bit quieter. Um, I mean, cause like you have you the big, so? well, you have the big highway off of, um, uh, and Angela's forest, uh, road. So when we were doing like tunnel shots or cars, uh, driving through versus right, like Malibu, right. it's like empty. Like there's no one there at all. Uh, that being said, yeah, right. the roads are wider in Angela's forest, which are nice because especially when you're filming and trying to get chase shots, being on a narrow road with a cliff, it gets a little bit sketchy in case a car comes around the corner. And you, you can easily blow a corner uh in malibu like it uh, especially latigo like the one where for that long section where we shot the performante as yeah. well there's there's nobody for a while right and it's quiet and it's absolutely unreal but if you stay on the accelerator especially in a quick car and this is why malibu i think is good for like you know rs ford focus rs like 300 whatever horsepower because if you get on the throttle for like a second too long and they're too late braking you'll just understeer and worst case scenario go off the cliff yeah that's horrifying yeah so you can't you I feel like you could push harder in Angeles Forest. Oh, for sure. I Higher mean speeds, in in but... my car we didn't really dip below 80 kilometers an hour. Mm-hmm. And we were taking some decent corners and I didn't go any slower than 80 kilometers an hour. And that I find is almost better because again, the, the consequences are less. You have more room for error because the roads are wire, um wider. You can take it at a faster speed. Way, they're way faster roads. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I also find that the roads there are better maintained than uh, the Malibu 
ones. I find the Malibu. I mean, it's they're both pretty good. Um, yeah, they but are. for the most part, I find the ones in Angeles Forest to have like some really good straight stretches, which is just flawless pavement. Yes. Yeah. We we took the right cars to each location so far. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, for instance, the 2018 STI that we talked about last time, perfect for Malibu. Uh, in my opinion, yeah. all-wheel drive to like hook out of a corner real yeah, quick true. and not too much power. Like that, yeah. It's overwhelming. Um, the Performante, speaking of Malibu, uh, we don't have to talk about the Performante at length, but that's a car that it was like I didn't drive it. We didn't drive it. It was just we did like ride-alongs. Um, and that was too too much car for like it was for, he shifted down into first gear for some of the corners like when do you ever in a manual if you had a manual you wouldn't shift down to first necessarily yeah. like first is just to get started yeah kind of, kind of get going yeah but anyways um after the ford focus rs we went to um ventura california yeah we drove the entire way up the pch uh again stunning views big waves uh we went to neptune's net yes that was, was incredible i really want to go back yeah, well, we'll be heading up to Magnuson on Thursday. So. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it, it's great. It's from um, the Fast and Furious movie. If you guys don't know, um, and yeah, it's just awesome seafood. Like, I really want to try. I had the fish and chips, and that was delicious. Um, I'm disappointed. I'm kind of disappointed that I went. See, shrimp is, is so boring. This is the thing, though, Grayson. You haven't seen the movie. They, they eat shrimp in the movie. So oh, I, is that why you got the yeah, shrimp? Yeah, he's like, oh, you, uh, you can't pay for your own shrimp. I can't pay for my own shrimp. But anyways, yeah. That's yeah. literally why I had it. So now that you sang, because I was like, oh, this is just mediocre. Yeah, well, but, I mean, like, shrimp itself is like. I, I, don't don't get me wrong. I love shrimp for sure. It's just that it's not an exciting meat in terms of like if you want to deep fry something, it's a light flavor. It's you know it, it's good, but I, I would like to eat um, shrimp raw or you know like having a shrimp cocktail or something like that yes, yeah. over it because then you can enjoy it a little, a little bit better. It's just kind of a two of a light. It's the wrong type of meat. I mean, yep. I would still eat it, but it's like if I had the option, I'd probably go with like scallops or you know fish or something like that. But yeah, it was delicious. If you guys haven't been, definitely check it out. I don't think uh, Paul Walker and Vin Diesel were uh, in the movie. Were like uh, debating whether see- what seafood. I think they had their minds on like street racing, or maybe they d- maybe they put a lot of thought into ordering shrimp. Well, yeah, you got to think. It's like, well, if the actor's sitting there and he's eating fish and chips, that right. might be a little bit hard mm. for the lens versus, Messy. you know, the, the actual shrimp itself is nice. It's a single bite. Quick bite. It's clean. Yeah. It's like it's when you're resetting a scene, you don't need to bring an entire filet of... That's exactly that's exactly why they did it. <laughs> See? We talk this shit out and we figure it out. <laughs> that's hilarious. I love it. And there's like donut marks on the highway in front because obviously people come by and we're like, yay, Fast and Furious. Yeah. Uh, but, Ma- yeah, so we went up to Magnuson uh, Superchargers. Yeah. And uh, we're going back and we're doing uh, – we're filming their 4Runner. Yes, a 2016 4Runner. Their 4Runner with a supercharger on it and we're going to film their actual warehouse or their shop. We went up to kind of you know just scope it out, check it out. And, uh, yeah, we saw the Camaro. Um, they have kind of their poster child, so to speak. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. This modified – uh, Camaro and it's absolutely awesome because it has the what is that intake there or the um, supercharger on top supercharger on top with the like the throttle bodies are just uh, just exposed. The heck is that? I don't fucking know. 
<laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So like, this thing's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, like you know, it has I think it's slicks on the back or something like that. Yeah, and and like the supercharger, like you said, sticking out, but not to a point where like old custom muscle cars do it, where you can't see. It's not obvious. No, it's it's, it's not it's intentional very, kind of thing. Very streamlined and subtle. I find it all – it's so good and they did the ratios and the proportions so well that I honestly look stock. Like it only – you know, to a certain degree, <laughs> right. it, it could be something that's stock. It looks like a crazy stock car. Yeah. Like if a manufacturer was just like even to go even more balls to the walls than the Hellcat yeah. and just be like a big FU to American muscle cars, that's what I – like that's totally possible. Yeah. And I think the new Camaro pulls it off well. For sure. Um, It puts down I think – 1150 horsepower at the wheels okay i think <laughs> so, wow so no big turbos this doesn't have big turbos on it it's a blower it's a, this is what magnuson does 1100 i think it's 11 it's definitely 1100 yeah but to what extent it is more i don't know now they make their superchargers and a lot of the components in like the actual factory itself. Yeah, and they have massive. I don't know the exact name of it, but it's like a CNC machine. But it basically, they give it an entire block of steel, and this thing goes around and it carves like it's it's incredible. It basically carves the actual parts right there in the um, in the factory. Yes. So we get to go back on Thursday, and supposedly they're going to be constructing some of these components, and I hope we can actually get some footage of that thing working. Yes. Like th- these things are incredible. They're massive. It's like imagine a three D printer. You know, this the width of your living room. Massive and warehouse. It just well, I w- I'd actually say it's quite a small warehouse considering what they're doing. Like they're- I would say it's pretty. I mean, supercharging is like there's. Like a supercharger, I'm saying is a supercharger itself isn't a very big thing. Like the end product is no bigger than a laptop with just big, you know, it's no, for it's sure. Big, but, but like not. you have to think in that one warehouse, they do research and development, right? Yeah, they do, yeah. they have their storage, they have their dyno, um, they actually manufacture the parts from scratch, they store parts, they ship parts. Like you'd think about like an actual factory in like China or something mm-hmm. like that, and it's massive, right? right. And you see, like, it's just making like bobblehead, um, like pens or something like that. But they're able to do all this in a relatively small space. Again, considering the amount of activity and the amount of different departments that exist sure. and go on there. And and if you look at the the pallet situation where all the pallets are stacked with just parts, you know, because that's what they had various parts that are either like finished or whatever, um, and they're all stacked up. That's when it was like, okay, this is like it looks like a Costco warehouse where just all the parts are. But the pallets go about double as high as they would in Costco. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty insane. And, yeah, like seeing all the um, research, and, research and development, we, were, we weren't allowed to take pictures of like a few rooms uh, that we well, went th- into. There was one room we weren't allowed to. Um, and that's, I think that's when they were, where they were they're doing research and R&D, development. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is obvious. Like, yeah, for obvious reasons. We won't be able to uh, – there but yeah they are um they have some cool stuff coming and we're I'm gonna go film very excited uh initially it was gonna be a corvette c7 that, yeah. yeah that ended up turning into a forerunner but honestly <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> i don't really we're, we're, we're. <laughs> well sorry so we, it was supposed to be a camaro that turned into a corvette corvette then turned into a forerunner okay so we're, yeah. we're gonna show up there and it's gonna be like a smart car <laughs> we'll be filming the smart car for new a... supercharger kit two pounds of boost on a smart car oh yeah um, no, but here, yeah, basically the Camaro, they did another YouTube channel, got the first shot at it. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, a way bigger channel, Hoonigan, and they did a massive burnout. And the brake calipers, uh, caught on fire. Yes. And the rotors are done. The calipers are done. Yeah. And there, he's like the, uh, Jesse, who I'm talking to at the, um, 
and Magnuson uh, representative is basically like, yeah, no, that's not going to be fixed in time. And the C7 apparently fell off a trailer. He was telling me this on the phone today. It fell off a trailer a while ago. Um, okay. And they've since, like, obviously done work to it or whatever. And they just discovered this new transmission issue because of the trailer incident. Oh, okay. Um, so that's what we got the call today. Because originally yeah. we were, like, supercharged C7. We haven't filmed a C7. This is going to be awesome. Uh, but, yeah, Forerunner. I'm still kind of stoked for the Forerunner, even though it went from Camaro to C7 to Forerunner. Yeah. But, yeah. honestly, like, I think that that's going to be a very interesting video. And I'm just really excited to be able to shoot inside the warehouse. Because yeah. I think we're going to get some really cool angles and just kind of a different type of video. Um, and I, I just think that the concept of kind of, you know, somebody picks up the phone and orders something and just kind of following it. Yeah, of course, it's going to be staged to a certain degree because you don't want to actually like sit there and wait for everything. <laughs> yes. But it's just kind of yeah. like pretending like you write something down. You go and pass it to one department and kind of follow it along. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking like just like continuous like a like um, there's one movie where the entire intro is like five minutes long and it's one shot. Right. That they, you know, they didn't cut together. It's a single shot. Um, I want to kind of, kind of do something like that for a lot of the kind of uh, steps and processes and stuff like that. And I think we could come up with some pretty cool concepts. Yeah. And it's a cool it's a cool opportunity, too, because, well, first of all, the Forerunner will hopefully open us up to, you know, next time we're down here in L.A. Uh, to do some more cool stuff with Magnuson, right? Oh, for if, sure. If we knock this out of the park, um, which I think, it you know, has a really big potential audience because – a lot of these people that are trying to get, you know, quick, quick views on YouTube, so to speak, which works to a certain extent. But it's again, it's cut out a lot of the stuff that's like, no, making superchargers is a big deal. There's a lot of detail involved and you don't get the full story if you just run around the showroom, yell a few times and then run out. They're talking about like the daily vlogger kind of things. Well, yeah, I'm like, if nobody's done that to Magnuson, but yeah, I'm saying if that's what I'm picturing in my mind of like if somebody was just a kind like that guy screaming at us uh, oh, at GT. That was so annoying. That was so, that was weird. Like, he is like the <laughs> yeah he, he like, like to the extremes. That's what I'm saying. Is basically like, the extreme in my mind would be that he embodies the exact characteristics that. I absolutely despise about daily vloggers. <laughs> like that's exactly he's the worst. exactly it. Just like a, a relatively quiet and just like kind of like laid back, lethargic kind of guy. And then he turns on the you know uh, on the camera and you know has his GoPro looking back at himself. And it's like you gave him a fucking coffee enema. Like he's just like fucking bouncing off the wall, screaming like, like high pitched. Oh, just, ev everyone was like, what? Just like, ah, like moving yeah. around the camera, shaking it about. Like, oh my like God. a couple of the videos I actually saw on Instagram after, people were taking videos of him vlogging because it was so over the top. And those videos of him doing his thing were going viral on Instagram. That's, that's, that's how that's, extreme that's what, he was. Like, <laughs> that's what I find so frustrating because it's like there's no, there's no real substance there. It's just like... But yet, yet those are the people that make so much money on YouTube. Some of the biggest like YouTubers are daily vloggers, just like that. Not I would. I've never seen anybody like that. Okay, personally. maybe maybe I've not never to that seen, extent. No. But like the daily vloggers, they rule YouTube. Like it's, you've got to put on a certain amount of face. You have to put on a certain yeah. amount of character to to really like you know rise above. Yeah, because you're essentially playing a character for sure. Like it might be real, but you're still. I mean, this guy was taking it to the extreme, turning it off and on. Yeah. You know? Um, but, yeah. Pretty much ru almost ruined Sunset GT. 
No. And the thing is, I don't even think anybody really knew who... The, like, Dr. M3 was there, Autovlog was there, uh, the guys from Hyper... Um, Hypercar development were there, and we talked to all of them. But like nobody was really like, collabing with them, or like a bunch of other big vloggers were there. Yeah. And that's another thing that's really cool is that the amount of people we've met while we've been down here is just it's insane. Like when we first went over to VF Engineering, mm-hmm. um, what uh, it was like Vehicle Virgins, yeah, no. Parker from Vehicle Virgins yeah. and uh, Damon from Daily Driven Exotics. Yeah, they were like literally at the place that we were going to, and it's like, yeah, come by in the next thirty minutes, and they might still be here. Yeah, and it's like we just happened to call VF that day. Just happened to be there. Yeah, and but- it's like you know, then we met Doctor M three. Um, we actually filmed his Performante. Um, mm. that was, I guess the following day I can check. I think, yeah, I think we're, wow. We rolled into that. Well, I think you're right about that. Yes. Holy crap. That was the next day. So this Perf- was purple per- performante. He calls it the purple Monte. Yeah. Clever. Uh, I, I like honestly, it. I'll just say this right off the, right off the start. Amazing color. It's like, yes. honestly, yes. I love deep purple. Like, there's a color for the most, like, you know, for a lot of things. Deep purple is nice. Uh, cars, certain cars, and the Perfumante is a great example of that. It was beautiful. It pulled off that color so well. Like, if I were to get a Lamborghini, I would literally probably get that exact same color. I don't like, know. I don't know yeah. about you. Like I don't, I don't. I'm trying to think of like another color I'd get a Lamborghini in, and the only thing I could think of is like, like green. Gunmetal gray, like a really dark gunmetal, but that works on almost any car. And I th- and I think a a dark. This is just my personal yeah. preference, but I think like a dark, not maroon, like but like a royal kind of red, might work on a certain. I don't think it would work on the Performante, but I agree with you. The purple looks stunning in every light, um, and yeah, interior like fantastic. Uh, yeah, I was really impressed with that car for sure. Yeah, we went up uh, the Snake. Yeah, we went into Malibu Canyons again and uh, yep. dro- drove around there. We didn't actually get behind the wheel, but... I asked you guys. Yeah. I promise you guys. I, I didn't want to let you guys down. Uh, yeah, I asked Cody, a.k.a. Dr. M3. Awesome, dude. This was like the best day ever. We take an entire day and we're, we're all just like... like this is this, this is what Southern California is, at least while we're here. It's just, okay, Thursday, you want to go up in the canyons and... Screw around in a performante? Yeah, absolutely. I don't care. Like, at the end of the day, I did not care if I drove that car or not. Yeah. In, in all honesty. I mean, just, like, like, behind the wheel, kind of, of you talking to him and stuff like that. I think that was a great collaboration video. Mm-hmm. In terms of an actual video that, like, collaboration videos are a bit tough because you both need to get something out of it. You both need to film to a certain extent. But I found that that actually worked out really well for being, like, you know, as a video just showcasing like you know the introductions like hi this is doc m3 and for roads and travels kind of thing yes absolutely yeah it was very uh yeah it was cool because we just met him for you know we didn't even talk to him for like 30 seconds at sunset gt yeah and then they came um uh, autovlog came out as well uh those guys um and yeah it was great now dr m3 uh like considering he's a one-man show pretty much mm-hmm. uh he's he does a really good job well, he had his he had his videographer from Sweden. I'm trying to remember his name now. Yeah, but he he pays him, doesn't he? 
I believe so. Like the videographer's not like no for sure he's, he's a not free, actually he's a professional he's a yeah a freelance he does like videos photography but it makes you appreciate you know even being a one man show he still kind of strives for that little bit more you know professional look mm-hmm. kind of thing he at least has somebody like holding the camera for a little bit and kind of you know more of a formal setting uh, I don't know I think he does a great job with what he has and considering he doesn't want to put very much time or he doesn't want to put too much time into it because he's a he's, brain surgeon he has a brain surgeon. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, you cannot get a performante that easily off YouTube. It's not that yeah. easy. Yeah. <laughs> and he also has, not to mention, uh, a Huracan Spider, a Huracan uh, two-wheel drive, I believe, or a regular Huracan and a Huracan Spider, and a performante and an Aventador. So, yeah. Big Lamborghini fan, if you haven't, if you couldn't tell by this point. Yes. Yes. So, after the performante, we went out. We can't just skip over the performante. Okay. Though. What were some, I don't know what were what were some other uh I guess that was it. I don't know. The seats are uncomfortable. Seats are very uncomfortable. The exhaust is nuts. Uh we filmed it in Beverly Hills and we had some kids stop at a like that's where we met Dr. M3, which was pretty cool. Uh and some kid at a gas station came out. He was like car spotter. He came out and he like knew exactly who Dr. M3 was and he was taking photos really? and stuff. Yeah, cuz he was like, "Oh, like did you just run into him?" Uh, and I'm like, no, like we, um, we organized this, like he's a YouTuber and he's like, yeah, I know Dr. M3. And I was <laughs> like, oh, crazy. dang. Uh, but yeah, we got rolling shots, uh, in Beverly Hills. Didn't get shut down. Yeah. I lost my hat on the road for a second. We got it back without yep. getting run over. Yeah. Did not get run over. Um, and then, yeah, we just had a good day. Awesome. My first time riding in a Lamborghini. Um, it, it, I mean, it was amazing. It was a good time. Again, I wish we were on Angeles Forest because yeah. we could have gone. That would have like, been a much better uh, car for that road. Yeah. But fingers crossed, the weeks aren't over yet, and there are people with Lamborghinis around. Yeah. <sighs> got to make it happen. We ha- I feel like we have to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got to drive one already, so. Ah, uh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, no. It'll, uh, yeah, to get something like that, a real Italian machine on an open, op- a real open road. Yeah. Which would mean nuts. But, again, the color was great. We got some killer drone shots. The sunset, we all went down to uh, the beach down in Santa Monica. But not, like, right in Santa Monica, but, like, right along the beach. Got some good drone shots and, uh, like, photography and stuff. Uh, the sunsets, by the way, down here in Southern California are the best sunsets. They're pretty incredible. I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And that's made better by the pollution <laughs> yeah. along, along the horizon. <laughs> I would assume, like, that would be causing it, but just really rich for everything from reds, purples, yellows, oranges, all over the place. It's just beautiful. Yeah. And it's, yeah, every night's pretty much clear. Today got up to 30 degrees. Booyah. It was 25 degrees when I hopped in my car to go shopping. No way. And well, at, le- at least my, um, the, like, the temperature gauge on my car. Yeah. Like, the, yeah, that's what Probably it said. better accurate. But yeah, it's at like 10 p.m. After we did the sunset sunset GT, I'm trying to think where we went after that. The, well, that was the Performante. Oh, sorry. Yeah, after the Performante, we did. I think that was with the, uh, the CTSVs, wasn't it? Correct. Correct. We went for another cruise with the CTSVs. Uh, we took out the 2018 um, CTSV. And a modified ATSV with hand controls. No, that was the second time we went out. Yes, this was, no, we sorry, talk- that was the third time we went out. The hand controls was the latest one. This is the day after the Performante was hand control ATSV. When did we go for the first drive with the C- uh, CTSVs? Saturday, the 
So that 11th. was the Saturday before the Sunset GT? Yes. We're like a week ahead of Sunset GT now. Okay. Because we didn't film with Dr. M3 till about a week after Sunset GT. Right. Okay. Where we met him. Yeah. So the hand controls is really cool. I've never seen a car with – because the guy didn't have a leg or – I'm assuming. No, he was paralyzed. Yeah. He was paralyzed. Right. He was in right. a wheelchair. <laughs> right. um, and he, I, I've never seen, I've heard of people installing, you know, the hand controls. So if they can't use their legs, they can you know, still drive. I've never seen it in person. And honestly, that was kind of cool. Like It's pretty cool. It was very well done. Like, it looked almost stock. It was very clean. Everything seemed sturdy. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, that was the same, my same uh, first time seeing it in person. Uh I was stupid enough to not try it. That's what was our plan. But anyways, maybe the car is somewhere, or maybe. Um, but it kind of made, and obviously it's made custom built for someone who cannot drive with their feet. But uh, James was, I was asking, like, can you still drive it with your feet? And he's like, oh, of course, yeah. Just when you get in, half of the gas pedal is covered up with the thing that's actually physically attaching the rod to the hand control. So you literally are pushing the gas either with your half of your big toe, essentially. <laughs> Or like half of your tiny toe wow. on the one side, so it's, you're barely, and it's curling over, and you might like touch the brake if you go on this side, and yeah, it's it's really awkward. The gas pedal's super awkward. Yeah. Um. But once you're like, as soon as you bury your foot, it's fine. And that car is. We did a launch uh, on PCH. Luckily, no problems. But Orange County's been good to us. Um. I did a launch, and that car is just. It's unreal. The way it, the torque it puts down the torque, and like the turbos spool up super quick, and that's another one of those cars where. The torque number might not be higher, but it's super strong and it comes on super early. See, after working with so many superchargers and stuff like that, I don't like if I had the choice, I think I would definitely go with a supercharger over a turbo. Right. Um, The more I kind of start seeing kind of the benefits, like the superchargers basically act just like a NAE motor. A centrifugal or a, um, a twin screw. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And... A turbo, it's like, yeah, it makes a lot of power, but in order to make that power, it's very jerky. It's a lot more. It's only in the higher end. Like, I don't know. I just think you would get a lot more use out of a supercharger over a turbo. Now, well, you could – the yes, I would agree. Like, if you're going through a corner, you don't necessarily want the super or the turbo to kick in because you'll end up spinning out. Right. But that, again, has to do with the size of the turbo. Like, if you have a tiny turbo – you're not you're not even going to feel it kick in. Yeah. It's going to be already spooled at like 500 rpm. Right. But when you get into like a bigger turbo, then you'd have that unpredictability. Yeah. I wonder how much of a delay the McLaren the uh, the 3 turboed McLaren has. The triple turbo, yeah. 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 The 800 package did not have pretty much any lag. It was very okay. it was just like boom. Yeah. Just like kicks you back. Um but yeah, I agree. I mean for, you know, autocross racetrack it's good. Superchargers tend to heat up more. That's the thing. So they're good for getting out of corners. But once you do a few more laps, like turbos have better just like heat management from, from what I've heard. Like I've never okay. had any personal experience. Glad to know you're a supercharger man, though. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I would have to it'd be interesting to do like a side by side comparison. Like find like a similar size turbo to, uh, you know, um, a supercharger and kind of do it like a side by side. Mm hmm. Um, Honestly, I think it just comes down to personal preference for both of them. Like, don't get me wrong. If you want, like, a holy shit car, yeah. <laughs> I would say a turbo is definitely the way to go. 100%, yeah. Uh, because you can get a really big turbo, a lot of horsepower, and when it kicks in, it's like getting hit in the chest. Mm-hmm. Whereas a turbo is going to be a lot more gradual. Like, it's going to be more unison. 
Um, but anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's why Lamborghinis, uh, the Huracan, the Huracans with superchargers, I think that's why so many people like them. It's, it's so like if the Huracan's already a violent car from what I hear. Um, but it's like, it would just emphasize that with a supercharger. For sure. Just like if so much more, uh, more power and like throttle response. What do we have next? Uh, where, oh yeah, the Cadillacs. Oh yeah. We went to this place, uh, this cool spot in, I don't know that it was like an inlet. It was like a wildlife preserve near Newport. Yeah. Just in, we did some like still photography and stuff. Uh, and another amazing sunset. That oh, one was beautiful. actually top three. I think it was really pink. The entire yes. sky was like super pink. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I want to edit cause the colors are like, I just took a couple photos with my phone camera. I think we have like some video and photos. Yeah. You'll see this all. Uh, we shot a bunch of B roll down there. So you guys will hopefully see this. Um, and there were some other kids, obviously rich OC kids. There was like a hurricane there and a bunch of other awesome stuff. What you'd expect in the OC. Yes. <laughs> well, it's different than Vancouver because, like, I don't know. It's it's just a different it's a different group of people in the like, see. In I, I would just say that, like, in Vancouver, it seems to be a little bit more diversified. So you do have the more expensive neighborhoods, but mm-hmm. then a few blocks in, you have you know the cheaper neighborhoods. So you don't have an entire city with a whole bunch of like very wealthy people. Yes. Whereas Orange County, I find, is like – it's like their own little society of only wealthy people. Right. Now, of course, yeah. that's not true. I'm sure that there's course, you know, cheaper yeah. places to live there and everything like that. But there's a lot there's – a lot, there's a lot of a higher – there's a much higher ratio of you know, wealthy to poor people. Yes. Yeah. It definitely feels that way, 100%. So, of course, the wealthy people, their kids get nice cars. and I, I love our experience so far down, like, along Newport Coast, uh, Laguna Coast, or, like, Laguna Beach. And we went to the Anaheim Hills for a little bit there. Yeah. Santiago Canyon. Um, I love it there. Yeah. It's dope. Good. I mean, it's it's very much a, uh, a more first world experience you know like there's outlet malls there's big names there's big malls and stuff and like very the parking lots are very like organized and the streets have like nice medians in the middle with perfect grass and trees and palm trees placed perfectly whereas in la it's very just kind of like scrambled kind of it's like scrambled eggs it's just like everything is just mixed together it's kind of weird (laughs) i mean like we definitely have that like that deference between like kind of like a rundown neighborhood and a nicer new one but not nearly to that degree Mm -hmm. because again you go from like you know beverly hills where the police station's this castle and palace (laughs) and just perfectly manicured and it's just gorgeous and then you go to like the Crenshaw police station. It's like a brick wall, and like, I, I, yeah. And Crenshaw's not even like a that bad. No, it's not. Like it's a little bit rough around the edges, but it's not a like we haven't heard gunshots yet. No, but well, supposedly there was one. But oh, okay. yeah, well, like I haven't heard that. any. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, what's next on the list there? Uh, yeah. So that night was good. Um, oh yeah, we finished it off. We went to a. Um, I keep forgetting what food we got the night. It was like a hookah place, but it was a restaurant. Syrian food. Syrian food. Yeah. Amazing. It was really good. It was. I would totally go back there. For sure. I, I have a feeling that 
it's it's gonna be similar to Indian food where the flavors tend like after you've had like four or five dishes is not like a, a huge difference between each meal. Mm-hmm. I've I have a feeling that the spices are gonna be kind of similar throughout, but right. it would definitely be up for trying some more things off their menu. Yeah, really good food. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had like lamb. It was phenomenal. Like, good service too. Cooked. Oh yeah, like, awesome. Good people. Really friendly. Yeah. No, that was delicious. Um. What else? I, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, yeah. We met Oliver that day as well. Yes. Oliver. Um, he runs the uh, Instagram account Chevrolet.Racing, I believe it is. He's got like 40,000 followers or something like that. Um, and he does he does photography and he does video and he's just a, he's like a social media dude. Uh, he also that will come to play later, but he uh, runs this role. He runs the social media for this role racing event, which we later we went to like a couple days ago. Really cool, cool guy. Yeah, Oliver was great. Yeah, so we went to dinner with James uh, from Reddit Performance. And Oliver, which was awesome, just dinner with the bros. I think that's what's honestly, Grayson, is the coolest thing to me personally about being here for uh, five weeks versus a week is that, like, we have friends in California now. Yeah, and because, <laughs> like, you can – if you meet somebody once, you can possibly make plans to meet up mm-hmm. again later. But after you've kind of hung out a few times, like even um, our photographer, the guy who's come out and helped us with photography, and Sean, stuff, Sean, um, like you know, even him, like you know, he came out in one shoot, and now he came out in a second shoot, and he feels just like any other friend, right? Like you, yep. you get to know somebody after, like you know, up to a certain point, and then it's like, yeah, shoot me a call, shoot me a text, no worries. It's not just kind of one of those, oh, if you're in the area again, it's you're actually keeping in contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, building those relationships are, I think are awesome because especially when we come back down, it's not just, Oh, I met that guy once here. I kind of remember you. It's, yeah. Oh, Hey, how's it going? We'll come check out this. And you yeah. get a lot more involved in people's lives. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it opens it up, uh, to hopefully we can gather like a group of people. So in the summertime we have like people visiting at different times. <laughs> oh yeah. Us in Vancouver. Right. Yeah. Cause like Pretty much every person that we've met, you ask them if they've been to Vancouver, no. Yeah. Pretty they, much well, every person. Like, Americans in general don't travel very often. Outside of the country. Yes. Um, I mean, like, some people go down to Mexico and stuff like that, but, like, the Americans, for the most part, don't really travel very much. A lot of them don't even have passports. Right. Um, well, you, I don't think you need a passport. Not to get in Mexico. No, I'm saying to go from a domestic American, I don't know, from L.A. to Phoenix, let's say. Do you, as an American citizen, do you need a... Probably. Oh, oh, you probably, pro- yeah. Probably yeah, yeah, no, yeah probably especially do. after 9-11. That's a dumb question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. But it's... Um, yeah, like, for the most part, like everybody seems to kind of stay around. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have met people who have been to Vancouver. Um, our landlord's dad has been to Vancouver, but again, like six years ago or something like that. Right, right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it'd be cool to see him in Vancouver, but more so I'm, I'm excited to get back and kind yes. of get, get back into contact <laughs> yeah. with them. And I'd rather come back. <laughs> yeah, like realistically we've accomplished quite a bit in mm-hmm. a month uh, and we're not, we're in just over two weeks. Yeah. Um, we've accomplished quite a bit. And the first kind of week was just building contacts. And I think that now that we actually have those, you know, those doors open and those opportunities coming back, 
we'd be a lot more efficient mm-hmm. because we don't have to spend time like sending out mass emails because we already have numbers. We to, have all their numbers. All their numbers. That's the so yeah. like, you know, at least we have a starting point versus kind of having things loosely scheduled and going from there. Like, of course, we had to do that this time. Uh, it's just kind of what you have to do. Yeah. But now that we actually have those numbers and those contacts, it would be very easy for us to come back down. And even if we were to come here for a week, now that we have those numbers, we could go out and film pretty much nonstop Mm -hmm. and potentially make it worthwhile for let's say we come down for a week fly down and then we would actually you know have a car for a week and it would be worthwhile you know to just kind of like bounce around and go do different stuff um yeah also yeah we had a few like long shoot days which is why again i think when uh sean came out which is another photographer and youtuber his instagram will be in the description um he did like a 12-hour day with us without food yeah. Just continuously shooting, just shooting, shooting, shooting. And I'm like, this is great. Like, my head was foggy during the uh, RAV4 video, <laughs> as you'll see in the footage. <laughs> um, he, he has a lot of energy. <laughs> Like in terms yeah. of like filming, w- which is great. Yeah. <laughs> um. I I'd like to see. <laughs> I'd like to see if that would last. Like we're old, Grayson. <laughs> no, but it's just like we've been doing it for so long, and we do it so much that it's just kind of like get what you need and then see where you're at, kind of thing, right? Yeah. Just um, you get hit record whenever you. Yeah. You, you get worn down over time in terms of like just get like you you lose that amount of energy, <laughs> but like yeah, no, really cool guy, awesome footage. Um. He yeah he's great at what he does and showed us multiple great food spots on our way to back to dropping him off uh, in Hollywood yeah and this is a guy who's who was born here and grew up or I wasn't sure if he was born here I think he was um, but raised his entire life uh, in Hollywood yeah which is cool because pretty much like a lot of L A are people like us who come here from other places yeah right because it's thirty degrees out in January <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we did some filming with him. Um, we went to, before that, we went to Exotic Racing. That was the next day. You're nailing this. Yes, yeah. that was the next day. And yeah, so we went to do Exotic Racing. Um, kind of a cool setup they have here. And like, this is actually something that I'd be interested in talking about a bit. Because how it is, is it's like $400. And with $400, you get a choice of some of their cars. Like you have a Ferrari, you have a Huracan, you have... Um, a 911. Yeah, there's a 911 GT3. Yeah. Uh, specific to that day, they had a Ferrari F12. Yeah, which is crazy. Which is nuts. But you have like a D and a, um, a R35. Yes. Yeah. Um, one one more thing I might add was the 458 they had, and I asked, um, God, I can't remember his name. The guy who like runs the place. I feel like such an asshole right now. Anyways, I asked him if it was a stock exhaust on the 458 because it was so loud. And no, it's a straight-piped 458 at uh, Auto Club Speedway uh, in Fontana. But, 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 yeah, basically how it works is you pay the $400 and then you get your choice of your car and you get five laps around their track. It's a smaller track. I'd say maybe, like, what, nine corners? Yeah, yeah, probably around then. It's on, I guess they just have a lot of empty kind of skid pad space. Maybe there were old parking lots. It's just it's, a it's flat solid, slab. Yes, f- solid slab of concrete. No yeah. barriers or anything like that. Just cones and kind of dr- the track is just, I guess, painted on. They do have curb- curbing though, which helps immensely. Do they? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Th- that's right. They yeah. definitely have curbing. Yeah. Which yeah. and just because so many cars have driven it, there's a little bit of tire wear. But yeah, other than that, there's there's uh, like pylons for the braking zones and the apexes. But yeah, so basically for four hundred dollars, you get a choice of your car and you get to drive it around the track five times. So I would say each lap maybe like what two minutes, if that. It, it's not very long. Um. So. Yeah, so basically $400, you get five laps, and you have a professional uh, instructor beside you. So they're kind of guiding you. They're kind of explaining you know, what to do, how to drive, just all that kind of stuff, which is very helpful, especially if you've never been in one of those cars before, um, let alone even driving on the track to kind of learn you know, proper etiquette, proper oh, yeah. like, you know, pulling yeah. over, when to let people pass, and stuff like that. It's a great introduction. Um, then they have another package for like 90 or or $100, and it's basically – that's the one that you did, mm-hmm. and that was drifting. Uh, it was in a Hellcat with a professional drifter from Japan. Yeah, Hiro was his name, our driving uh, instructor. Yeah, and you, he basically drifter. goes around the track twice, right? Twice for yeah. $100. So – and you can pick front to ride shotgun or back seat, and you can have up to four people, four of your, three of your friends with you. Right. But it's an extra like $20 per person. Yeah, after that. Yeah. 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 Um, so the question comes down to, was it worth it? Well, here, And would I do it again? Here's the thing, though. Okay, so for you guys listening, uh, Grayson and I basically, we didn't even flip. We kind of decided that like beforehand... Um, I, like we were at uh, Sonoma Raceway back in September, and I got to drive McLaren's. So that was like a big thing, a very big, like one sided thing. So immediately when Fontana came up, it was like, okay, ride shotgun in the drift car or drive a Huracan. Grayson gets to drive the fucking Huracan. Oh, yeah. I, I, I couldn't <laughs> complain about that. Um, it was uh, again, bright yellow. Bright yellow. Terrible color. Would never buy a bright yellow <laughs> yeah, Lamborghini. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I've never driven on a track before. I've never driven a Lamborghini before. <laughs> um, like the most expensive car I've ever driven was probably the GT3. Uh, GT4. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, the GT4 yeah, um, right. from Sharkworks, and that one was manual. This one had paddle shifters, automatic transmission. It was cool. Um, if for me personally, it was a lot to take in all at once, and. The thing is, is that the five laps go by so quickly that just as you're getting your bearings to understanding the you know how the car works, where the power is, kind of what what to rev at and everything like that, kind of getting hang the hang of the track, your laps are up. And all this while, you've got someone talking right next to you with like you know it, they're the, your co-driver essentially. Yeah, um, and. Like, which is good. Uh, you definitely need them there. Um, again, being my first time. But, again, it's just like having an appetizer instead of the full meal. Because, like, mm. I was so take- – like, um, the instructor beside me is just talking, like, so fast, right? Every corner coming up, it's like having an auctioneer beside you. And the faster you go, the faster she talks. And by the time I was kind of done, it was like, well, now I'm actually starting to feel comfortable. I can actually push the car. So – right. And and this is where I think it comes down to – it's just that this activity is designed for more of a narrow market because – It's a short-term burst of adrenaline, I feel like. Like the question is, would you do it again and is it worth it? So is it worth it? It depends on who you are. 
if you are, you know, if you, if you like cars, um, you're not necessarily an automotive, well, you could be an automotive enthusiast, but, you know, you, you like cars, you've never had the opportunity uh, to drive a car like that, you've never been on a track before, and you want to do it for your birthday or something like that, that's a great activity, and for I would sure. recommend it for people. Yeah. That being said, if you are wanting to actually learn how to drive on a track and if you want to actually practice and, you know, have uh, – increase your abilities for like a like – um, for the long run, if that's yeah. what your goal is, you actually want to learn, I would say it's a good introduction. If you're kind of unsure and just want to test the waters, it's definitely a great introduction, but it's – you would not go back twice. Would you, would you say it would have been more beneficial if your goal – because I feel like your goal was more leaning towards that first time on the track. Like yeah. I want to get I want to get some experience here. Yes. Would it have benefited if they gave you uh, a slower car and a less complicated car to get to drive those five laps? Like was the Lamborghini Huracan oh, no. itself well, – But it's only five laps. So right. it's kind of like you want something that's scary, something that's you okay, know. Okay, so that, it wouldn't that, have like, mattered that much to you. Well, no, it's just that like a slower car would have been great, yeah. but I need it for a day. Yes, right. Yes. So it's that's like the next, yeah. so like this experience is good as it is because you know if you give someone a slow car and even if they charge like a hundred dollars, five laps in a Cobalt is still five laps in a Cobalt. Yeah, you want something <laughs> that actually has a lasting impact, and it's like if you're kind of unsure if you if a uh, motocross is something you want to get into, this is like what better way could you be like thrown in than you know like thrown into the industry than actually driving one of like the top performing uh, performing cars around a track. Like yes. that's a pretty awesome experience it's just that like and i'm glad i and again my intention going forward is i want to improve my driving ability i want to you know get comfortable on a track i want to you know get the manual or the automatic transmissions um, down with the shifting and everything like that and just practicing the technique so for me this was a great experience because it, it introduced me to what it's like to be on a track but i would not go back because I would go like in order to actually be on there for an entire day, which I would need and in order to actually improve, it would be thousands of dollars. Like, you know, a lot of people will go and they recommend that, you know, five laps isn't a whole lot. So buy two packages. So that's $800 for 10 laps. And you can, if you go to a track day, uh, mind you, this is bringing your own car. Yeah. So that's, a, that's a whole other expense actually. So it's, it's more expensive, but you can have a full track day with professional instruction for like $800 at uh, the Ridge down in Washington, which is like two hours from where we live. But like even having your own car, yeah, it is its own cost, but it doesn't have to be anything good. No. Like when no. you first get on the track, like there's so many things, there's so much going, happening and going through your mind and everything's happening so fast that it takes, you, you need to be able to get some certain techniques down to muscle memory. So you don't have to think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. So when you're going into the corner, you know when instinctively when to brake and when to accelerate. Like you know, you have like the, flow to the, the the points on the track down, and like at that point, you can actually focus on improving aspects. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to, it's just like um, the best way I can describe it is like golf. There's so many tips on how to swing properly that when you first step up there, all that's going through your mind is, oh, my feet are, need to be here. This needs to be here. And yeah. you end up just stiff 
and it's like I don't want to move because this is what I'm supposed. This is the correct posture instead of just screwing up and well, then improving. Yeah, but it's just that you need to keep on practicing with that stiffness until that certain aspects of that stance just becomes natural. Right. Then you can start improving on everything without having your mind just clustered with I see what you're because yeah. like you're always going to be stiff for the first time you get on the track. I don't know how you were when, in the McLaren, but you're not very fluid. You're not like, no, you know, your arms are too all. stiff, you're, you know, you're you're focusing too much, right? Instead of one, you know, but that's normal. That's part of the learning process. And Speaking of that, which is yeah, definitely on the first few laps, it's it's overwhelming to be honest. It's like you're you're hitting the, the sound of the curbs is like very loud when you're hitting them, and it's like, well, you know how much throttle and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, track driving is really cool, and I cannot wait uh, as the time as time goes on, we get more more uh, experience on actual tracks because that honestly like to to comment on a car's performance and handling and drivability you to, need to, to be the, on the track to the most ex- to the furthest most extent yeah you need to be pushing the car very hard uh further than we're comfortable with on the street yeah so uh, but anyways it was a fantastic experience um like just being able to drive a lamborghini on a track even though it's for five laps it was it, it was definitely memorable. It definitely helped make my trip so far. Um, and you got to drive. I'm um, riding the Hellcat. Like, what did you think of that? Yes. Uh, first of all, you're. I was just going to shout out your driver. Um, yeah. Uh, Reagan. Awesome girl. Really Reagan, good instructor. One second, I'm going to pull her up on Instagram. Reagan. Uh, Reagan Steedman. Uh, so she uh, shout out on Instagram. Uh, she does a lot of cool stuff. Porsche with Porsche McLaren. She's been racing since she was like 14 or 15. I shot her a message earlier today because she said she'd be down to collab. Um, but yeah, I rode in the uh, Hellcat with Hero, awesome guy, another guy that we uh, knew contact and like we've been exchanging messages. And he uh, turns out he has a uh, Toyota 86 with a 3S GTE swap. What are the chances? That's the same engine in my car, uh, and he was all stoked about that. Um, but yeah, I would like. Do you just want me to kind of? Okay, so here's the deal. So Hellcat, first time in a, in a Hellcat at all. Uh, it was like insanely loud. I think it was straight piped or close to it. Um, outside, ear piercingly loud. On the inside, it wasn't quite as loud. Um, so it was pretty quiet. It w- I wouldn't call it quiet, no. Um, but it was way louder on the outside. It's one of those cars where there's so much like weight and sound deadening that all uh, it's all coming up the back, right? Yeah. Um, that being said, Hero is a great driver, awesome driver. Uh, the first, uh, the, just right out of the parking or right out of the staging area or whatever. Most of the drifts, I'm not gonna lie, were of a low angle. They weren't very like they. He wasn't pushing the limits of his skill to be, you know, on some of the corners. It just they were higher speed or whatever the case may be. But it was like maybe a 15 or 20 percent angle, uh, which is totally cool. It was awesome because I've never been in a uh, drifting car at that speed before. But here's the thing: it was very clinical, which is like hero he's a professional drifter and, and he does this multiple times a day all over <laughs> One and over after again. another and he you're like it would be terrible as for a customer if he like spun out or crashed right so yeah. he has to, he has to be very clinical so as a as getting in the drift car it was it was a great experience for two laps too short obviously it's too late like you were saying five laps but when you're in the passenger even still too too short um i would say 100 dollars maybe worth it i if if here's the thing though so this is what i'm saying with you it all comes down to perspective 
because I think it's only kind of maybe so-so not worth it for me for $100 is because I've ridden in drift cars at amateur drift events where people crash all the time. The pavement has, like, bumps and, like, weird, like, things, like, roots growing up. or Not roots, but, like, weird things. And, like, the car's shaking all over the place. And there's V8 swapped uh, 240s. And this cars are sketchy. Bumpers are falling off. Um, and you tap cars sometimes. And, like, you, I've spun out in, as sh- riding shotgun in a drift car. Um, so I think that's more exciting for me. Even though the speeds aren't quite as high. Like, the Hellcat, we were drifting at, like, 100 miles an hour. Um, but to me... It comes down if it's your first time and you're you know you're with your family and you all want to you and your friends want to jump in a back seat of a Hellcat and go drifting with a professional drifter, I think it's worth it. Um, see, it's when you when you actually break it down, like how much would you charge to make it worth it in your mind? Well, they, they got to make money on the tires. Well, yeah, but that's the thing though <laughs> is that they go through two or three sets of tires a day. A day. Yeah. On top of that, they have you know you're driving the car hard, so there's going to be vehicle maintenance and it just, started overheating. Yeah, yeah, and actually you know maintaining it. Um, then you also have to pay a professional driver from Japan to actually do this, <laughs> plus facilities and everything else. All of a sudden, a hundred dollars is not looking that bad. It's not bad at all. No, it's really good. Like you know, (laughs) there's a good chance, like probably maybe a half of it will go towards maintenance. So if you're taking a fifty dollar profit, like it's not that. That's very very reasonable. I know it sounds like a lot, and considering the amount of time you get out of it, like it's too quick. But financially speaking, that's not that bad of a deal. Um, Like I wish they had longer packages with a discount. So it's kind of like you get four laps, but instead of four hundred, or sorry, instead of uh, like two hundred dollars, it's one hundred and fifty, or something like that. Or driving two cars for, uh, I guess, uh, ten laps, mm-hmm. and instead of it being eight hundred, it's six hundred. You know, something like that. Right. So it's kind of a little bit more because again, once you're on the road, when you're actually driving, it's not going to cost that much more to do an extra lap. No. Right. It's just kind of the downtime in between customers and everything else that is wasted yes um but anyways i think it was a very cool experience i would recommend it to people certain people um sure yeah and same uh, yeah i think if you want a, a quick shot at driving a lamborghini or a ferrari then i'd highly recommend go checking them out one of the most reasonable exotics racing yeah and uh, again if you want to actually get into driving more seriously like get a slow car. Don't start with something like that. Go to racing school. Go to driving school. Sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, even if you want to do it by yourself, just use your daily commuter and mm. just go rent out a track for a couple hours. Or just do well. Do a track day. Yeah. Essentially. And I mean, there are other cars on the track, right? But, yeah. Um. And yeah. So Exotics Racing also they have a location in Vegas at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, which is good to point out. Um. The two kind of I guess two of of the driest climates uh, in the states. So, like we said, second week in January, super sunny out, and we're driving like Lambos on a track. Yeah, not too shabby. Do you want to go make hot dogs Yeah, now? I was going to say. Okay. Uh, yeah, screw you guys, listeners. <laughs> we're going to go eat. Um, no, seriously, this was uh, – we caught up on a lot of things. We're almost caught up on the timeline, I feel like. Yeah, I think one more list. episode, and we should be – maybe like do it tomorrow morning or something like that. Yeah. We can finish off the uh, – Coming next episode, our hike behind the Hollywood sign. Oh, Yeah. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you want, give us a rating on iTunes. That helps. Tell your friends. And uh, the videos, I'm assuming we're just going to put these podcasts out with the videos. 
So just like go to our YouTube channel, Roads Untraveled, and all this LA stuff is coming out now. Just as now? A oh yeah, stream. I guess we can't really release anything until we get back podcast wise. But I would, but I just I think it's just better to have them yeah, kind of, at least sure. roughly lined up. Yeah. All right. Peace.